Hello, and welcome to Soul for Conversations. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Coleman of Soul Sisters, Inc. Today, I cannot wait to unpack this conversation with you guys. We have Sherry Marsh with us, who has such knowledge in the financial world and budgeting. And I just cannot wait to have this conversation with you, Sherry, because it's such an important one for everyone to know, but especially as women. So Sherry, welcome to the show. I would love for you to give us a brief snippet of who you are and anything you want to share with us. Sure. So Sherry Marsh, I own and started a consulting company about 10 years ago, focused in the pharmaceutical biotech industry. Um, Finances kind of entered my world roughly three years ago when I started to go through a divorce and realized I'd be managing my own finances and had no idea what that even meant. I actually didn't even know what bills we owed on a monthly basis. And so that's where this really stemmed from. And so this started my kind of dive into how to manage things from my financial perspective and really get a, a hold on that. Right. Wow. Wow. Let's unpack that definitely together. What I want everyone to know is how much I truly appreciated something I heard you share when you hosted a workshop on finances. And that was just this rawness, this real story about just being a woman who was living her life and then halted by a real life circumstance that caused you to reflect on what is going on with our finances and what is the knowledge I have and lack, which I think so many of us, including myself, go through. And so this conversation is about to be amazing. I cannot wait for it. So um, (laughs) great. Let's go ahead and jump on into just some information. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my own finances in my family and many listeners already know I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been working all my life, but had small kids and have been really relying on my husband to handle the finances, which I think is so traditional and so familiar for many women in particular. Why do you think it's important for us as women in particular, again, to know about our, and just have a knowledge in our finances? I think for me, the biggest reason that I would say that you should have a good understanding of that is because you set goals. It's helpful to be able to manage how those goals are going and how you're going to achieve them and when you're going to achieve them. And that comes along with that financial uh, kind of independence and that financial knowledge. If you don't have any insight into how your finances are being managed, you're leaving it to your spouse to manage or to someone else to manage completely, then how do you know where you are with the goals that you're trying to achieve? You want to buy a house in five years. How do you know if you can buy that house in five years if you really don't know what the state of your finances are? It doesn't mean you can't trust your partner or your spouse to manage those things, but you should still have insight into how those things are being managed so that the goals that you've set for yourself um, you're achieving in the timeline, or you're at least able to check that you're reaching those milestones to get to that goal of buying that house in five years, if that's what you're looking to do. Um, right. Very important. What do you think we've been taught just in history about gender roles and who handles the finances? Obviously, historically, it's always been the man that is supposed to be managing the finances. I grew up in the finances were just poorly managed, whether it was my dad managing them or my mom. Mm-hmm. I think it was still just overall poorly managed. And to this day, they're not good with managing their finances. And so there are times when their daughters have to step in and kind of uh, help them to manage those or loan them the money or you know fix yeah. things that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So I think that historically, it's always been the male role that's supposed to be the one managing the finances. And the female's role is obviously to have the kids, take care of those, house and home, mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that all of that is taken care of. And then the man is the one managing the finances. No longer are we finding ourselves in that role and no longer are women wanting to be in that role. It may have been a sign of the times, but Mm. it's certainly shifting. Right. You mentioned a divorce. Did you yourself find yourself in that traditional role as a woman? I did. And uh, something that you and I had talked about earlier, I did find myself wanting my husband to know that I trusted him completely. 
And so I kind of blindly, if you will, let him manage the finances. I certainly accept my role in that and I should have been more involved and should have made sure that I understood what was going on. But I wanted him to know that I trusted him. And I felt that Mm. that came in the form of not asking any questions uh, about what was going on. Yeah, I can relate to that. You know, there's a certain loyalty, a trust, something that you want to communicate almost on the flip side too, of like, you know, you do your thing with the motherhood house thing and this thing over here providing, which again is, it goes back so far, but even modern day women are still very much upholding those outlooks. So myself included. So it is a hard thing to kind of break out of. What about single women? I'm curious what you have to say about single women who don't have this kind of traditional gender role, family dynamic, and they're just trying to better understand their finances. What do you have to say to them? Yeah. I mean, for me, I have a, you know, my daughter's going to be 18 in less than two months. So something I've been working with her on is just making sure she understands that start with what you can control and what you can manage. And those things are your monthly expenses. So start with those, be honest, be realistic. If you spend $200 a month going out, then put that you spend $200 a month going out. Don't say, well, I'll only spend 40 when you're spending 200. It's, you know, you have to be really, you're only lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. So start with what you can manage and document, 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 whether like you said, it's in an app or some software or just in a very basic spreadsheet somewhere. Mm -hmm. You should have just a good list of all of the expenses you have for, for that month so that you can then manage that against what your income is for that month. And it's a very easy and basic place to start and kind of get you into the routine of checking yourself and making Mm -hmm. sure that you're not going outside of what you are actually capable of handling in any given month. And it's something Mm -hmm. that you get used to doing that as a single woman. When a man comes along, it's just kind of a natural progression of things. If you decide to combine your finances that, you know, maybe you loop him in and you guys are managing that combined uh, spreadsheet or software, whatever it is, but it has to start somewhere. And I think with your monthly expenses is a great to start. Right. Wow. You reminded me when I first met my husband, who again, he, he works in finance. When I first met him and we were dating, one of the first things that, so my background is in mental health. So I had okay. all these assessments that we needed to take <laughs> to make sure that we were compatible. <laughs> and I was giving him all these quizzes, like, you right. know, this is what we got to do to make sure, you know, do, what's your history? What's your right, mental right, health right. background? What's mine? Are we a good match? He was like, let's do a credit check. And I was like, excuse me? Oh my <laughs> and God. He said, What's today? And it wasn't like in a weird, it wasn't like right, in right, a right. way, like let's check to see how much debt you have. It was more of just like an important conversation around finances sure. just a few months in. And yep. thankfully we were in a space where we already, we knew we were serious about each other early on, but which allowed us to have that conversation and just look at everything. And to be honest, I have so much student debt. I still do. I was bad with paying off my credit cards. I'd pay them off on time, but I had accrued so much interest. And he sat there just the most non-judgmental person and was just like, okay, we know where we're at. We know we got to pay off. I'll help you if you want me to just kind of understand all this stuff. And that was my first dive into understanding hold up. I'm no longer on my own with this anymore. And it was so eye-opening. What you just said is so important to be able to work with somebody who isn't judging you. So it's so important if you find yourself so far down the hole, whether it be student debt, whether it be credit card debt, whether it be other types of debt that you have that you have to pay back, having somebody to go to that's not going to judge your situation Mm -hmm. that can actually help move you back into the right direction is what a lot of people are lacking. And so they're embarrassed and they keep to yeah, themselves embarrassed. I yeah, was embarrassed and, for sure. Right. But it's great that he didn't judge you because it yeah. allowed you to kind of open up, put it all out there on the table 
and you guys, right. you know, can figure out how you're going to manage that moving forward. And then you do. I think if a lot of people had that available to them, then it, there'd be a lot of people in a lot of different situations right now. Mm, where they, financially, definitely. they'd be a little more free. Yeah. yeah. I had never done that in any of my serious relationships before him. And thinking back, I'm like, that was scary. It was a risk that he took to talk about that. I believe now, you know, as being married with him for five years, and like, if you're considering marriage or a long-term relationship, it really is an important conversation to have really early on so that right. you can decide if you want to stay with someone based on these things, because financial right difficulties come up and the conversations are continuous. So that's huge for people in serious relationships as well as the single folks. And then just considering like what you said, you know, about the history of what we've been taught. And I just really don't think that women have been encouraged to have any kind of understanding of what this is. Um, Why do you think that we have many women like myself have a difficult time with finances and understanding the concept? It's not fun. It's not interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just my opinion. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't find it fun. I don't find it interesting. I don't find it something that I would sit down one day and go, oh gosh, it's going to be so much fun to pay these bills today and look <laughs> at my budget and see how much money I don't have left at the end of the month. You know what I mean? Right, Nobody right. wants to sit down and mm-hmm. do that. But if you know that there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel where eventually you're not going to be living paycheck to paycheck, eventually mm-hmm. you will have a little extra money to do something with. It's just one of those things where it's people having to be real with themselves. And I think that's very difficult for people to do. But when it's just you and your finances and you have no one else to blame and you have no one else to look to, if you, this is the paycheck you get every two weeks and these are the bills that you have every month, there's no way to sway it. There's no way to make it look different. The only thing you can do is figure out how you're going to manage those things. And that's mm-hmm. just not exciting. And mm-hmm. there, there's nothing fun about it. I think that that's a large reason why a lot of women do not want to sit down and probably a lot of men too. I don't know. I certainly know for me that that's really what it was. It's just not interesting. And it's, it's not fun when you see all that money just kind of going out the door. Going it, just, out the door. it hurts a little. Yeah. yeah. But with that said, I attended your workshop and this is where I got to know you and learn so much about you and your story. And what I love that made me excited was that you told us that you have a little budget set aside for your own fun spending. Yes. And that very much goes into just the things I understand in the psychology world about this kind of positive reinforcement, that there's something exciting to look forward to through the discipline, right? Right, So I really appreciated that. And I will kind of break down some things in more detail in a moment. But can you explain kind of how you came up with, you know, if we're going to have a budget and stick to our goals, why it's important to include some for our, our own enjoyment? Sure. I'll start with naturally, I think women, especially because we have a a maternal, most of us have a maternal instinct about us. Spending money on ourselves is sometimes difficult to do, especially if you have children. I'm certain you experience Mm. this now because you do have small children. I spend way more money on them than myself now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I love shopping. So that's a bold thing to say. (laughs) And that's a normal feeling to have. So I think it's difficult for women to naturally just go spend money on themselves, especially when they have little ones at home. And so I think that it's important to build in this allowance for yourself so that you don't feel guilty for taking that money because it's part of your budget. So if it's an official part of your budget, then you just see that as it's like going to pay a bill. Like this is $200 for my allowance for this month is like the $200 I'd be paying to AT&T. So mm-hmm. that's your pay, if you will, for the month to do with as you please. And you don't feel guilty taking it. I always attribute it to like a cheat day. If you're on a diet and you know that your cheat day is Sunday, when Sunday comes and you eat that cheat meal, you don't feel guilty eating it because you planned for it it. Mm -hmm. and you knew that it was. So it's the same thing with the budget and having that allowance is if you planned for that allowance, whatever amount works for you in your budget, 
if you plan for that, then there's no guilt around it. You don't feel mm-hmm. guilty if you take that $200 and go buy yourself a handbag or buy yourself the shoes that you were waiting to buy because that was what you budgeted for. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big deal because I know like so many people, we live in this instant gratification time where we can just go online and buy something. We can connect our credit cards and just push one button and it's yes. sent to our house. You know, it's just right. so easy. And I'm so guilty of that. I'm right. Amazon queen, queen over oh, here. I can have I anything Amazon. all the time. As a result of your workshop, I've had some sit down conversations with my husband, like, Hey, I want to know more about what's going on with our finances. Great. I want to stop myself. Cause I know I spend a lot of money for our household and our kids and ourselves, but I'm always just spending without thinking about it. Right. And that's a luxury and privilege I have. But again, sometimes he's like, eh, what was all this, you know, going on? I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know. Cause I don't even know what the budget, I don't even know what's right. coming in. And that's, right sad to admit, but it's true. I've been, I've taken on this role of like, let me just keep this house going and keep everything stocked. And that's right. how so many of us get involved. Some listeners might have way more discipline than I do, but that's just my personal experience. We're on the same page. I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> with, me too. But with that said, one of the things I'm learning that I'd love to hear more of your perspective on is when we do slow down and actually allow ourselves to wait for that reward or that prize or whatever we want to call it. What do you think happens to us inside when we do discipline ourselves a bit more, especially along the planning of the budget? Um, that's kind of a twofold for me. I think emotionally you do start to feel a little bit sad. Mm. I do think that there is this rush of endorphins that you feel when you're shopping and you buy things that make you happy. Mm. Uh, and it's such a wonderful feeling. There's a, a movie, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I love the movie. It's kind of a cheesy movie, but I love the movie because it is how I used to be. I used to shop a lot. And I think that that, you know, you it's that rush. It's that feeling that you get. I think a lot of that also comes from something that I talked about during the workshop, which is the visibility that you have to everybody else and their daily lives via Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, yeah. you name it. So it's a constant comparison that you're making right. uh, to other people without really realizing that half of what you see, if not more, is not realistic. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe she has a Louis Vuitton, maybe it's a knockoff. You know what I mean? It's it's (laughs) the constant comparison of yourself to other people and how far they've come and whether or not you're there and if you should be there by now. And Mm, it's a a level of criticism that you put on yourself. I think that it's a dangerous road to go down, but I think it's a natural, it's something that people and women naturally do, which is why during that workshop, I also recommended you limit your social media consumption on that's a daily huge. basis. Yeah. That's so huge. That's so huge. Even with the small practice, Sherry, of slowing down the, the spending. And I actually created a small little list of things that I want, but like yep. not, that's I'm cool. not pressing the buttons right. and I can look forward to them and even just say, I'm not going to get, maybe I can get one of these this month or the other ones later on. Right. I'm finding so much more gratitude for them and right. the material things, but even just the resource to be able to even have those things. Right. And I think a lot of people, even without a lot of money or just barely everything by, we're just so pressured to be spending things and we find ourselves spending money on things we don't even, can't really even afford. Right. So I'm glad you said that about the social pressures of it all too. Oh, for sure. Yes. I want to get into this conversation about wealth because I've also been thinking about that a lot. Okay. Um, your workshop just opened up a whole lot of thoughts for me, Yay. but I know that myself and so many women I've talked to, even as of recently, have a really hard time talking boldly and confidently about building wealth. Why do you think that is? So I think this it's the same reason why if you have a female boss and a male boss, if the male is very direct and assertive, then he is a gooder and he's mm-hmm. a strong lead. 
And if it's a woman, well, she's just horrible and conceited and I don't respect her. And you know, it's, it's off kilter. And I don't know why the perception is the way that it is, but I feel like it's that same reason. And it's hard to explain why that happens. But I think there's almost like a, a woman shouldn't speak too much about how successful she is. It's not appropriate. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a very, just kind of a common way that people typically think. If you speak about it too much, then it just comes off as you think that you sound like you're uh, gloating and bragging and then those types of things. But if a male does it, it doesn't come across to people that way at all. It just seems like it's been the natural way that things yeah. it's always been. Um, and it's yeah. okay for a man to say, I'm a doctor. And they, oh, well, that's great. But if a woman, oh, okay, here she goes. She's just going to brag to us about how, you know, this is what she is. And I think mm. it's the same stigma that's uh, attached to it. And we just kind of have to keep pushing that dialogue forward. And although people may have that perception of you, I always say other people's opinions of me is none of my business. You know, I can only be who I am. I don't expect everyone to like me, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop me from moving myself forward and and achieving the things that I want to achieve, whether it's wealth, uh, whether it's financial independence, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, I can't let other opinions impact me moving forward. Right. I love that. I love that. I like that you said, you know, removing that stigma off of us that whatever our goals are, whether it is building wealth or breaking generational patterns of ideas about money, uh, financial freedom, and just understanding as well as having more control over our budget. I love that you're saying we have to be willing to break those thoughts and ideas and the pressures too. And also what you said is so key, what people might think of us. I want to live in a world where I can say, I'm working hard so I can be wealthy and right. not feel, not think twice about that. Men don't think nope. twice about that stuff. Well, and I think I that do. there's nothing wrong with it. If that's your goal, then that's awesome. The thing is that what your goal is may not be what my goal is, but it doesn't make your goal any less mm. of a goal. It just right. means that that's what you want for yourself. And that's just being an individual and mm. saying that this is what I want. And I don't think that that should be judged. I don't think that should be frowned upon. If you're mm. the one that's willing to put in the work to get yourself there, more power to you. You know, everybody should be supporting that and just, you know, pushing you along and anywhere you need that nudge, somebody's kind of giving you that nudge in the right direction, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be something where we can't openly just talk about that if that's what your goal. Right. Yeah. Right. So what I'm really hearing you say is we all have different goals with our finances and whether again, that's just to pay off the debt that we have on our credit cards or to get to a place where we can afford a house mm-hmm. or we can invest or whatever those goals are, that they're your goals and that we should be free to talk about them or free to have those beliefs within ourselves and hopefully free ourselves from any judgment within ourselves as well as folks around us. Right. That's huge. I'm taking a lot of that in myself. Thank you. I am really curious about just, again, thinking about where to start. I think that's the hardest part is where do I start? I look at my credit card statements or my bank account and I'm like, how did I end up with that? I just got my check yesterday. Where'd all my money go? And What are some helpful tips that you think would help us track our finances, create a budget and any other tips that you have? Yep. Again, if you're just starting, if this is just the basic level, somebody is just starting, you could get a notepad and just write down all of your finances for the month, all of the expenses that you have for the month. If you're somebody who's new to managing finances and kind of trying to figure out your budget, we don't even need to talk about investing or big purchases that you're going to be making. At the very least, you need to have control over how you manage things on a monthly basis. And mm-hmm. that should be for quite some time. So it should be about a full year that you're figuring out how to manage your finances and budget accordingly. 
before you even look at a big purchase like a car. And then of course, national progression, maybe you're buying a home, you know, things like that. You shouldn't be looking at those big type purchases if you're not to the point where you're able to manage your budget or your finances on a monthly basis. When you're jotting down your finances, it's one thing to jot down all of your month. Super important if you have more than one credit card that you understand what your interest rates are for each of those credit cards. You want to pay those off in the order of, you know, whichever is the highest interest rate. Otherwise, the monthly Mm. payment you make, a lot of your, that monthly payment is going towards that interest. And um, I just don't think that that's something that people really realize. They just send the money off and really don't think about where it's going. And then it looks like, you know, oh, well, I paid $200 since credit card, but really you only paid off $50 of your debt. The other 150 was for the interest. Um, wow, exactly. I've yeah. been there. I've been there so much and not until I understood what that even meant. I was like, I'm giving my money away. Yes. I paid off my credit card. So I thought, but the interest is killing me. Yes. Um, so it is, I believe sometimes just important to stop all the spending, especially the spending we only the spending we cannot afford to get, yes. give away, you know, just hold on to that. But, <laughs> but really just stopping to recognize I need to pay off this credit card in full so that I don't accrue any more interest. That's huge. Right. Right. And I think that a lot of people just in general don't realize is as the customer, you can ask a credit card company or really any company, if you're going to buy a car, whatever it is you're going to do, you as the customer have the right to ask every question under the sun and comfortable making a decision to move forward with something. It's not an imposition. Although some sales reps will try to make you feel that way. It is not an imposition to ask 20 questions. If 20 questions is what's going to help you make a decision to move forward with this credit card, or I'm going to buy this car, those types of things, you have to kind of be comfortable asking those questions if mm. that's what it takes in order for you to feel comfortable moving forward with that particular company. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are constantly kind of gauging whether or not they're making someone feel uncomfortable. And so they're like, okay, I won't ask any more questions and you don't have all your answers, but then you're supposed to make this huge financial decision. You have to ask the questions. It's okay mm-hmm. to ask those questions. And it might be a sign if you're dealing with a sales representative and they are impatient with you and they're short and they won't mm-hmm. answer your questions. That's probably not a company you wow. want to move forward with. Definitely. Exactly. Just tell us a little bit more about this, the way that credit cards work. Should we have many? Should we have one? From where do we get them? Right. So I think that it depends. I think it depends on what your goals are. Um, I certainly don't think you should have just one. I think there's always mm-hmm. an instance where it helps to have different types simply because in some areas they may accept a visa in some areas they may only accept MasterCard or something like that. So it's always helpful to have more than one. Okay. Um, they should both be active. You don't want to leave them just sitting there being dead. There should certainly mm-hmm. be some activities, some purchases, and then payments to pay those down or pay them off, whatever it is that you're choosing to do. And your credit card should really be based on what it is the credit card company is giving you based on what your goals are. Do you travel a lot? Then you want to find a credit card company that gives you lots of points for travel or gives you three points for every dollar you spend on an airline ticket, You know, where another a credit right. card company may only give you one. If you're more about the cash back, uh, incentive on a credit card, then you want to look for a credit card company that gives you more of a cashback kind of incentive. So it depends on what you're trying to do with that credit card. For me, my credit cards are credit cards that give me a lot of points. Regardless of my purchases, I get a lot of points for travel, cashback, and gift cards. And these are three big mm. things for me. So mm-hmm. the trip I just took to New York in February, uh, paid for first class tickets for three people, uh, used nothing wow. but points for those and still had lots of points left over. So that, and all I did is for that credit card, I only pay on that credit card, my monthly uh, expenses. So there are certain expenses that I have in a month that I will automatically charge to my credit card mm-hmm. so that I, I'm guaranteed those points every month on my free money. Card. It's free money, but you have to have the willpower to not spend that money in your bank account then because you're going to use that to pay towards your credit card at the end of the month. Got it. Got yeah. it. 
But if you give yourself the allowance that we talked about earlier, you're mm-hmm. giving yourself your allowance, then you're not really looking at your checking account like that going, well, how much can I take out and how much can I spend? Because you already have your allowance money for the month if you've budgeted. Yeah. Appropriate. That's why the budget is so huge with all, yeah. all of this. You could right. have the freedom of having all these points and credit cards and whatnot, but you have to have your budget in line to allow those things to flow. Right as they should. I also love that you said the importance or your workshop, you said the importance of having things on auto pay to really help just making sure that you're keeping track of paying things on time. Yeah. Again, people in general, I don't think they realize that the dings that you get on your credit, your credit report for paying things late, um, Mm. that is a ding on your credit report. And so your credit score can go down if you're consistently late on making payments that does get reported. Your credit report um, will be impacted. So Mm. it's very important to pay things on time. I like to auto pay. The majority of my bills are auto paid either to the credit card or through my checking account. They're auto paid. So I think there's probably in a month, there's maybe three bills that I pay manually. Okay. Other than that, everything else is auto deducted. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. It's really good practical feedback. Again, things that I don't recall being taught in school. Mm-hmm. I don't recall being taught by my family. You know, I know that our families do their best of what they know, but a lot of times we just don't really know, you know? Right. Um, I was reading this book. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called You Are a Badass. I'm so... I've heard of this book, but I I'm going so slow with it because I hardly have any time to sit and open up a book, sadly. But <laughs> I was reading about this portion that she says early on in the first chapter about the subconscious and how the subconscious is where our beliefs lie. And those often come from what we grew up with. So if we saw a struggling parent talking about money, I have to go work again or work more hours. Oh, this never ending cycle of having to spend money. We internalize that and think money is hard. Money is the enemy. My parents are being taken away from me because they're always working as a result of money. And so we learn these things and it often affects our decision-making and our abilities as we grow to become adults. Um, And that just made me think of, you know, just these generational barriers to financial freedom and wealth building, as we talked about before. Tell us a little about what you think about generational barriers and how to break through some of those. What you just said, I actually wanted to touch on that. So I think that if that is all you know, and that's what you're growing up with is that struggle and you see your parents struggle and you see your parents, they don't like their job and, you know, they go to work because it pays the bills, that becomes your normal. And you don't know anything else. And so when a kid becomes an adult and they move out and they get to this point where they're on their own, they then try to recreate what they think is their normal. And that normal is how their parents struggled uh, financially, how their parents hated their job. These are all things that they think are normal. So they go out and they try to achieve those things as well without realizing it, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. You should find a job that you love and be able to do that and that it pay your bills eventually. Again, I go back to, it doesn't mean that you don't have to work your way up. It doesn't mean you're not going to do some jobs that you hate doing, but you have to kind of earn your way up. It's important to work your way up, kind of get that experience, and then get to a point where you're able to be self-sufficient and do a job that you love um, that affords you the lifestyle that you want to live, having done some little things along the way that maybe you didn't enjoy 100%, but you're not struggling the way you saw your parents struggle. Wow. That's huge. I really hope people take that away because generational patterns are really hard to break, but you have to put forth the work and the effort and you can break them. That's so important for people to know it's hard. It's not easy, but you can do different than what you've learned. It's almost like a loss a little too, like some grieving might go along with it too, because it's like, am I being disrespectful? Am I I better family members? But there can be 
a shift in you that allows you to provide more for your future if you choose to have children or just your future for yourself. Right. Um, I think is so important. I'm so happy that you highlighted that. I get approached a lot about investing because as I've gotten older um, and just grown part of the growing up process, I've learned more about how wealth works or even just again, financial freedom, having more money to our names works. And it seems like, again, mind blowing. And like, why did I not know this before that what we make in our salaries or our day-to-day wages doesn't compare to what people have been doing to build wealth through investing, which is a world that I still have to learn, but I'm becoming more familiar with. Please, you know, if you have any insight to this, tell us the importance of making smart moves, especially for us as women with the investing world. Yeah. So I think that it's really important. I think a lot of people think that they should invest. I think number one, if it's not something that you're interested in doing, if investing is not something that you are interested in doing, or you're putting your money somewhere and then you're just kind of letting it ride, if you will, it it is a gamble. The stock market is a gamble and sometimes it works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Comfortable in their money somewhere, leaving it there and walking away and not looking at it and hoping that it does well. And some people are, if you're not interested in investing and it's not something you want to do, then don't do it. That's the number one thing. It is not a requirement as you start to make more money that you take that money and invest it in something. You don't have to do that. You can take your money and put it in a savings account that generates a certain number of interest percentage for you and you're happy with that and that works for you, then that's what you should do. I think a lot of people think that as they start to make more money that they have to invest and Mm. that it's just the natural next step. You hear it all the time, these professional athletes and just people, other wealthy people who all of a sudden you have a lot of money. So that means that you're business savvy and that's just not the case. It's not for everyone. If you truly are interested in investing, the first thing you should do is take a beginner's course on investing. There are plenty of them out there. You can do them online. You can do them in person, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with, but you should educate yourself first on what it actually means to invest for you before you actually take that step. If it's actually something that you're interested, Mm -hmm. Um, but don't think just because you make money that it's something that you have to do. Right. I love that. That's really helpful information. It's so true. And is there's so many resources online that you could really just start to become familiar with? Because I do think that people should at least know what that means and how it works and how the stock market works. You know, I'm just learning myself that, you know, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it crashes. But if you're one that has patience and just knows that your money is going to do its thing and just going to let it grow, most of the time it is going to grow if you just don't touch it. But if that's just not your personality that gives you anxiety or whatever, there are other options to see your money grow in other ways. So I really appreciate that. Okay, so Sherry, we're in the middle of a pandemic and folks are losing their jobs. Some folks are even having a hard time affording the basics like food, clothing, and people are scared. They're unsure about their futures and their job security. What are some comforting words that you might have to folks listening? The number one thing is just to know that they're not alone. Everybody's going through it. I think it doesn't Mm. matter what your income level is. We're all experiencing it to some extent. You know, for me, I think this has been a really good time for me to kind of reevaluate my spending and where I could be saving money simply because I don't know what the future looks like. You know, I I do own a company and we, you know, have clients that are not as busy as they were. And so things are not as busy as they were for us. And so we have to manage our finances accordingly. I've done my own manicures and pedicures. Uh, over the last almost 40 days. Um, mm. I've done my own cooking, certainly haven't gone out anywhere near to eat anywhere near as much as what I used to do. I canceled some of my monthly shopping clubs that I belong to simply because I don't really need to buy anything else. 
And for the foreseeable future, I probably won't uh, simply because I would rather save that money. So, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Manny Petty's hair care and just the shopping that I would do on a probably a monthly basis, that's a good chunk of change that I'm saving right. every month. I lowered my cell phone bill, mm. adjusted my satellite so that, you know, all of these where I can lower my expenses every month, I lowered my expenses wow. um, just because I think that it's important to kind of take this time to reevaluate where you could be spending less and then making sure that you do simply because you don't know what the future looks like, but we're right. all in this together. I think everybody's just trying to make it from point A to point B right? Um, and just trying to get by and right. everything comes out on the other end and we get back to some level of normal. And I'm certain that it will be a new normal mm-hmm. um, for of folks, but something right. close to what we had before would be ideal. Would be ideal. Absolutely. Do you think people have any light at the end of the tunnel for financial planning or saving their money, especially when it feels like maybe they're just, trying to gather whatever it is they have left, what would you suggest for that? I would say that if you have money saved right now, you save that money for time just like this. So for me, the money that I have saved is for a time just like this, where I am uncertain of what my work looks like for the next three to four months. So I have my finances set up so that I don't have to worry about that, not just for the next three to four months, but at least the next three to four months. It's something that I don't have to, but that's that all came with the financial planning and budgeting accordingly and putting that money away and not just spending it because you see it because that is one of my issues. But, you know, I think that it can be daunting. It can be scary. It's something that just understanding that if you stress about it, it doesn't change the outcome. The outcome is going to be the same. The stress only makes it worse for you and it's just not good for your health. So if you can just continue doing what you're doing, hopefully people are getting the unemployment and the stimulus checks that they're yeah. supposed to be getting if they've been um, furloughed or laid off from their jobs and right. just able to kind of put one foot in front of the other and know that eventually things are going to be okay. But it is scary and it's certainly a natural feeling. It's okay to feel that way. Right. Absolutely. It is scary. It's it's scary not to know what's happening in the future, but like you said, it is important to work with what we have now and simplify. I think it's huge. We're all simplifying, right? In so many ways that because we have really nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. So looking at what we do have access to, what is in your bank account, what are the changes you can make and hopefully create some new habits. I know I'm trying to create new habits because I want to see myself just have more control over things I think I didn't before. Right. Um, And this is an odd time to do it, but it also for me and maybe others is an ideal time to do it. Yeah. What Um, better time? I mean, we're all stuck in our houses, so um, we don't have an excuse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. Sherry, is there anything else you want to share that you think would be helpful for listeners to know? I mean, I guess the the only thing that I would say is just don't be scared to take the first step. The first step is always the hardest to take. But once you take that step, know that there are many people who have come before you that were scared to take that first step too. But once you do, you'll be amazed at how things turn out and just give yourself the time. If it took you five years to get into some level of debt, then at least give yourself the five years to get out of it. You got to be realistic about the timelines that you put around trying to achieve things. Don't think that something that took five years to do is going to be undone in three months. It's Mm. just not realistic. Um, And then you can find somebody to talk to that's not going to judge your situation that can really help you and be honest with you at the same time and and just kind of help you move things in the right direction without putting any judgment on on, on it. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned some feelings earlier, like embarrassment or shame or guilt. Why did I spend that much? Why didn't I have more knowledge of this earlier? That's really not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on looking at our patterns, looking at what we know, what we don't know, and just starting to make some small changes. And I know that that can actually turn into really big changes and more control and security and confidence in what we have with our finances. I'm so thankful right. for 
for this conversation. I know for myself and my family, we have had, again, I keep on telling you, thanks to your workshop, I came home refreshed and like, I'm ready to go. Got to talk to you about a few things, husband. And we've had weekly meetings, believe it or not. We've had That's weekly great. where we sit down and I'm in charge of them, which is really cool. Cause I'm like, I know I don't know as much as you do, but I'm going to take the lead for this of what I do know and whatever you can help plug in to help us guide us as a family with this conversation. Let's work right. together. But it's helped give me more confidence in just knowing that I too can have a say. Um, yep. Not that I didn't have a say before, but do you know what I mean? Like have a say in how this is guided. Exactly. Um, yep. It gives me like more like I have a, a, I'm included in this conversation about finances and every week we've just broken it down. And I hope this is helpful for folks. We've just started creating clusters for the first week of just like seeing, you know, I focused, you provided a guide for us, Sherry, and just focusing on like what goes to the bills, like the, you can't get rid of the bills. So the bills are there. Right. Uh, what goes into the kids stuff? What goes into the experiences and the entertainment, you know, fun stuff and just clustering up these things. And I was mind blown. I started putting the numbers into that. I was like, right. how, how the hell did I spend so much money on yes. all? Like I did. <laughs> what? And then, but it's really, like you said earlier, eye opening. And so I right. just, that's the first step. And we're just kind of taking it week by week of like, okay, now what are we going to do to start tightening things up? Right. And then setting goals to it. Well, I love to vacation. So yep. I want to make sure that when it comes down to like having a pot for vacation time, whenever that's going to be, who knows, right. we're going to be traveling, but that we know that there's something to look forward to. I right. know I want to have a bucket of money for myself that my husband is like, has no say. And then he has his, that I have no yep. say. Just creating that freedom whenever we get to that place. I don't know if right. we'll have to tighten things up before we get to the freedom, but I really appreciate that you gave me the confidence to go forward and have that conversation. And hopefully folks who are listening, just start making little steps. All it takes is the first step. I'm telling yeah. you, and then you'll sleep better at night. There's less anxiety because you know exactly what's going on instead of it just yeah. kind of being a giant black hole and not really exactly. having a good understanding. So exactly. I'm so glad that you took that away. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. No, thanks so much. Thanks to you. And again, you're so insightful. Your story is so real. It can be scary for many folks, especially going through huge life changes. Do you have any feedback or words of advice for folks who are going through a huge transition, like a loss of a marriage or anything that's sure. of that, that magnitude? Yep. I do remember like for me, I think that the biggest thing for me was feeling very alone simply because, you know, I was the one going through it and I didn't have anybody else around me going through such a, a life change as, as a divorce. And I think that just knowing and recognizing that nothing you're doing is uncharted territory. These are things that other people have had to deal with, other things that they've gone through. Yeah. So yeah, it's important to not feel like you're alone. You could Google your current situation and find 20 support groups um, yeah, out there yeah. that would you know, offer you some mm -hmm. insight and, and whether it's in face or, or in person or just Facebook or online somehow, or just the text message group that you, you know, get yeah. together. There's so many different avenues that you can explore that will keep you from feeling like you don't have anyone around you to offer that support and continue. And it's very easy when you're in that such a, a huge transition and a life change like that to just make excuses for why things fall apart and then you just continue to let them fall apart. It's very easy to do that. You can't fall on that. You have to make sure that you keep going forward, just remembering what your goals are, even if that means they're plastered all over your house. Whatever your goals are, mm. you have them hanging on the mirror, you have them hanging yeah, on the refrigerator, at the front doors, you walk out the door. It's a constant reminder of what it is you're trying to achieve because you're the one that's responsible for getting yourself there. Right. Exactly. We're the only ones that have control over the outcomes we want to see. I love that. That's huge. Thank you so much, Sherry. We certainly appreciate the time that you took with us today. Where can we find you? Do you have an email? Do you have anything that you feel comfortable sharing with us in case anyone has sure. any further questions for you? Email is great. If anybody has any questions, feel free to email me. I'm happy to offer any advice that I can. It's my full name, Sherry Marsh at ymail.com. So it's just the letter Y-M-A-I-L.com. 
And thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate yeah. you giving me the platform to be able to give any advice. Just want to see everybody be uh, successful in achieving their goals. So wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Awesome. Thank you so much.